From the KLYT Broadcast Studio, this is ABQ Connect. Your input on today's topic is important to us. Join in the conversation by calling 505-338-5790 or text 505-585-LIVE. ABQ Connect. Hey, just a minute or so ago, you heard the announcement about uh, Fernando Ortega and Rodrigo Rodriguez. Free concert at Calvary Church. It said Wednesday. That is tonight. Uh, tonight is Wednesday, so hope to see you out there. 6.30, a free concert at 4001 Osuna Road Northeast. That's on Osuna, just west of Jefferson. Uh, kind of wrapping, well, not really wrapping up. There's another concert Friday night. Uh, Chris Tomlin will be here. That's a ticketed event, however, but this uh, uh, Christmas concert series has just been spectacular. Chuck Gerard uh, from New Song kicked it off. He's a founding member of the group New Song, of course, during the Jesus Revolution and uh, Dennis Agajanian joined us for a weekend uh, for his guitar picking. Uh, last Wednesday night was uh, Brad Stein, a night of comedy. And then uh, tonight with Fernando and Rodrigo should just, just just be a fabulous evening of of great music. And the details are on the web at calvarynm.church. A couple other things I wanted to make sure you knew about. Uh, we always ask you to send information about free events. Don't often hear from uh, Cannon Air Force Base in Clovis or Las Cruces, but I want to thank the Las Cruces listener who sent us information about the Living Nativity. It's a free event. Um, Old Town Bethlehem, they're calling it actually, a free event. And uh, it's at 4881 Rain Tree Lane in Las Cruces, south of County Road 243 West. So essentially, if you know south of County, go south of County, uh, County Road 243 West onto rain tree and you'll you'll find uh, the event there come out and remember the true meaning of christmas while enjoying enjo enjoying a, a live nativity uh, and refreshments and then the other live nativity is first baptist church in santa fe on old pecos road and lupita or excuse me old pecos trail sorry santa fans uh, and lupita road uh, that's happening this saturday at 6 p.m it's an outdoor event that includes the manger scene uh, that uh, has church members portraying Mary and Joseph Wiseman and shepherds. Uh, there'll be uh, barn animals and camels, uh, shepherd's field, marketplace, a sing-along carols uh, with church musicians. So it should be a lot of fun. The, the website for that one in Santa Fe is FBC for First Baptist Church, fbcsantafe.com. And we welcome into studio uh, for our monthly visit with Ray Mondragon. Uh, our final, uh, our final visit of the year, Ray. Yep, yep that's right. <laughs> uh, continuing our, our discussion on uh, uh, the age of the universe, and before we get to that, uh, we want to remind people. Uh, now, Ray is a professor at Chafer uh, Seminary, and if you you want to find out more, go to Chafer. That's C H A F E R dot E D U. Uh, but the new semester getting ready to get underway, Ray. Yeah, we're just completing the uh, fall semester, so we're getting ready to register students for the spring semester. So Good. a lot of classes you know, that people would be interested in. I'm used to asking students, but not professors. How did how did uh, finals go? Well, I don't actually offer a final. <laughs> oh, okay. I, I have them uh, do a paper, and uh -huh. then they uh, are going to present it. In fact, my last session will be tomorrow, and plan to have several students present their papers. 
All right, looking forward to that, huh? That's kind of their final. You got a lot of light reading to do. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Well, uh, we're looking forward to this full hour, and actually, a very special guest who's been in studio with us. Uh, I know when he was living in Albuquerque, uh, and uh, uh, I'll let you introduce our our guest, Ray. Well, Russ Humphreys, if you're in the Albuquerque area, you may have heard of him. He's a world-class scientist, and he spent a lot of time here in Albuquerque working for Sandia National Laboratories. And after retiring, he has done a lot of creation studies or research, and he's going to present some of that today. He has a background in physics. In fact, that's his kind of specialty, but he does a lot of astrophysics as well and other areas. In fact, any area of science, I think he's pretty much qualified to speak on and certainly any area of creation science. Yeah, and actually, before we jump in with, with Dr. Humphreys, just kind of lay the, the landscape. What we're going to be talking about, again, is the age of the universe, which, uh, Ray, we've talked about on the show. It's the most controversial area of creation science. And really, a majority of the church, Bible-believing Christians, uh, hold to an old universe, billions of years, uh, belief. And by far, in fact, our viewpoint is very much a minority, even amongst minorities. So, uh, yeah. so we have a lot of work to do to try to get the word out. And I think mainly it's because people are uninformed. Yeah, and, well, and you know, when... When you said that, uh, I don't know, in the last year when you first said it, uh, I was honestly surprised. And, and, and it could be just, uh, you know, at a, a young, young age, as a young Christian, uh, we had, you know, we, we were married at 20 and 18 and had, you know, family mm -hmm. <clears throat> and uh, raised six kids and homeschooled. And Answers in Genesis was a big part of uh, uh, teaching the kids about creation. <clears throat> so, uh, you know, we... Uh, we you know, all kind of grew up together, uh, young earthers. Yeah. Uh, so it's interesting to me uh, to to walk through this, and I appreciate the time you've already taking taken, and uh, uh, the time uh, uh, Dr. Russ Humphreys is prepared to do with us today. You've known him a little while. Well, he's the one that actually got me started in creation science. He's the found. He was the founder of our local group in the eighties. So I've known him since since the '80s, and which we promote every month. It's the third Tuesday of the month at Faith, Faith Bible Church, Moon and Central. Still uh, going. And uh, <laughs> uh, now, last uh, last night you had your Christmas party. There's no meeting for December, but it'll pick back up in January. In January. And exactly. you can go to the website for the group. Uh, it's CSF Creation Science Fellowship. CSFNM uh, dot. I think they we've changed it to dot net. I believe. <sighs> okay. Uh, it used to be .org, and we've revised the uh, yeah you, website. You, you do you do a search, and uh, it'll come up. But it's uh, what I'm looking at is csfnm.wordpress.com. Oh wow! So, okay. uh, but but uh, I digress. <laughs> uh, let's and I already tried to go this route, uh, and I'll I'll stop because I I'm really looking forward to hearing from your guest. Well, let's uh, have Russ come on and. Why don't you give us a little bit of your background? In fact, what have you uh, pretty much enjoyed most about your career? Russ, Dr. Humphreys? Well, I've enjoyed uh, doing all the new science that uh, reading the Bible, taking it straightforwardly, uh, has introduced me uh, to uh, all sorts of science. I've had my fingers in 
cosmology and uh, uh, geophysics and nuclear physics, and uh, uh, I've just had a ball uh, doing this. I, I'm just delighted that people want to hear about it. So uh, I don't know where to where to go from here. Right? <laughs> yeah. You might review some of the uh, projects you were involved in at Sandia, just so that the audience has a little feel for your world-class status, as I call it. <laughs> okay, well, uh, my first job at Sandia was to develop, uh, help develop a uh, geophysics probe, a nuclear uh, probe that uh, would determine how much uranium and other elements uh, are in the Earth, and uh, that was a fun project. And then uh, uh, I went to work for the uh, particle beam fusion uh, program out there in at uh, the high voltage area of Sandia and did lots of pulse power design and research and uh, uh, experiments and then theory too. I uh, worked in the theoretical and atomic nuclear physics theory. So I uh, uh, designed a, a special part of their accelerator they had then called PBFA or PB. PBFA uh, number two, uh, and it used special laser-triggered high-voltage uh, devices that uh, that started the big high-voltage pulse down toward the center of the machine to produce all sorts of interesting stuff. So anyhow, uh, it was fun. It was for me. It was like fireworks on Fourth of July. Uh, it would shake the ground when it fired and. Uh, uh, if you're interested, uh, go to Google Images and look for a picture called Arcs and Sparks. And uh, you'll see a picture of the machine that I like. Uh, it's just got all sorts of high-voltage discharges all over it in living color. So uh, anyhow, it was fun stuff. Well, uh, but, uh, All through it. Doc, yeah, go ahead. Dr. Humphreys, I'd be interested to hear. Now, you retired in 2001. It says here on the on the bio I'm looking at. Uh, your time uh, in study of creation science, uh, and I believe ICR's Institute for Creation Research, is that right? Well, he he worked for them for yeah. a while. Yeah. Uh, what, yes, tell I worked us, for them. Tell us about your time there. At ICR, yeah. I worked uh, remotely, uh, mostly uh, from my uh, computer, uh, but every now and then I would uh, go down to visit them in San Diego, and then later when they moved to Dallas, Texas, uh, I went there. Uh, and I did speaking for them and writing and uh, and uh, research. They were actually they paid me to do uh, real research from my home office, and uh, and I had a lot of fun. Uh, mostly theoretical uh, physics, uh, you know. So that's that doesn't require a lot of equipment, just a pencil and paper. And uh, tell them a little bit it. about tell them about uh, the. Um Five million dollar research project, the uh, date. Oh, uh, okay. Rate program. It's probably five million dollars now, but then it was one point two five, I think, uh, uh. million. Uh, it was the first large uh, research project sponsored by uh, uh, various donors uh, with that much money uh, involved, and uh, it was a project that went from 1997 to 2005. And uh, some of the uh, well-known creationists like Steve Austin and Andrew Snelling and uh, others uh, joined, and I was on it too. John Baumgartner. Uh, and, yeah, John Baumgartner. Uh, yep. Uh, anyhow, it, 
that was a fun project, and we really came up with some good stuff. Um, uh, so we did actual uh, laboratory work and observational work, geological observational work out in the field, and uh, and uh, we think we got some good stuff. So that was the radioisotopes and the age of the Earth project. And you're going to touch on some of that today. Well, if we get a chance, if we get time, right? So, yeah. The, the hope. Yeah. Now we're 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 close to up against a break, and and coming back from the break, we're we're going to uh, go through issues like uh, geological column and uh, radiometric dating. Mm, uh, actually, down a little lower there. Okay, uh, we're going to cover some issues, <laughs> <laughs> um, but before okay. before we go to the break, uh, Ray, if you'll walk us through. Um, uh, the review, you know, the biblical support for young universe that we've already talked about on this show, but for those who missed it and can go and find it at a couple places, abqconnect.online, and then Ray, you've posted it as well. Right. I've got it on my website, for his glory, nm, and that's F O R, for his glory, nm.com. But in to fact, review all of, all of these in, uh, interviews are on there. Yeah. So people can access them. But walk through walk through the review before we go to the break. Yeah. Uh, why do we hold to a relatively young earth? Because we have a high view of scripture and we interpret the early chapters of Genesis in a straightforward, literal, you might say, or grammatical, historical, contextual approach. And if you do that, the only thing that comes out of your interpretation is a relatively young earth. And God has built into the text lots of data that leads us to conclude that the earth is relatively young. So in the past sessions that we've had, we've looked at that data and have come to the conclusion that the earth is relatively young. But as we investigate science as well, which we also started at least a little bit of an introduction last time. Mm -hmm we see that science actually confirms what the biblical text says, as you would expect, because God is the creator. So we, uh, we looked at the compromised views that the majority essentially holds to, and some more so than others today, which, is, which are com compromised views that indicate that they think that the earth is billions of years rather than thousands of years. So we looked at Genesis 1, went through the creation account, and I gave evidence from the text itself that indicates that the days of creation were not long ages or not poetic, but in fact, uh, literal solar days. And that's what uh, you would expect from a plain reading of the text. We also looked at other biblical support elsewhere, like the genealogies, where you have precise chronologies that you can trace back. In fact, the whole book of Genesis gives you a complete chronology. You can uh, date virtually all of the major events from the chronology that is self-contained within Genesis. And all you need is a correlating date from outside of Genesis to come up with actual historical dates. So we looked a little bit at, at that data. And then last session, if you remember, it was fascinating. We had Marshall Jordan, a medical doctor that's done some research on radiocarbon dating. So we discussed that last time. So that leads into this week and our discussion with Russ Humphreys. 
All right. Well, if you just joined us, uh, doctors Raymond Dragon and uh, Dr. Uh, Russ Humphreys joining us again uh, to consider the age of the universe. And we're going to continue our discussion when we come back from the break on ABQ Connect. All right. Thanks for joining us. Hey, before we jump back into announcements and uh, uh, today's content, I uh, want to thank uh, uh, Tayshawn's and uh, our, our engineer to today and uh, Tayshawn, you know, he's relatively new to radio and he's just done a bang up job uh, stepping in and, and getting us on the air and making sure we can connect with our guests and, and what have you. And, and on other days, Jared uh, doing the same. So uh, just a shout out to our engineers so much appreciate all the hard work they do uh, to make us sound good uh, as good as you can, you know, when I'm on the air, <laughs> but uh, no, very much appreciate them. And I do want to remind everyone tonight, uh, Fernando Ortega and uh, Rodrigo Rodriguez uh, in concert free at Calvary church. We hope you can be a part of that. And another great family event coming up, Journey to Jesus. Uh, this is a an event sponsored by New Beginnings Church and Under His Construction Ministry. Uh, the event, though, is not at either of those locations. It's happening at the Secret Sanctuary in Albuquerque. It's five miles south of Rio Bravo on 2nd Street. So it's kind of out in the Tulis, uh, as we used to say. Uh, but I love that part of, of the metro area. It's a little more rural uh, and it's going to lend itself to a great uh, family outing that evening, uh, this Saturday at 6 PM, a free event, family friendly, a live nativity, hot chocolate, pasole, and, uh, you'll find the details at under his dot org, uh, in studio with us, Ray Mondragon, uh, joins us, uh, as he does each month. And uh, we have on the phone, Dr. Russ Humphreys and, uh, Dr. Humphreys from Tennessee. How much are you missing your red and green chili? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I miss it daily. Uh, I just, uh, you know, I, I, I'm undergoing withdrawal symptoms even after all these years. So I need my green chili fix. Yeah, I'll, I'll see but, if I, uh, can, I can convince Ray to put together a care package for you. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but I miss other aspects of New Mexico too a lot. Uh, it's just, uh, you know, out here in Tennessee, things are green. Uh, it's quite a shock for someone coming from New Mexico to hit Tennessee and you're surrounded by green. Uh, but, uh, I still appreciate, uh, both the high deserts and the mountains and, uh, uh every aspect of New Mexico. Um, I would like to be there sometime. So, yeah, you know, when I think of 10, I've spent some time in Nashville and Clarksville and which by the way, continue to pray for the victims of the uh, current uh, or the recent tornadoes there. Uh, but uh, I, I think of the uh, the Kentucky bluegrass and limestone. It's just, uh, you know, uh, well, uh, walking through the things we've walked through on this show with Ray is in regards to creation. Uh, I tell you, know, I was a military brat, so I got to travel a lot. Uh, but I would agree with you, Dr. Humphreys. Uh, just, uh, you know, God's beauty is, is found in both places. And they're both so uh, different, uh, but uh, it, it is beautiful. And, and we do hope you get your chili soon. <laughs> yes. We'll have to invite you. you to speak so that you can have green chili. <laughs> well, Ray, I'll let you uh, uh, jump into our conversation uh, and kind of guide us through how we're going to consider the age of the universe. Well, I'd like to give your audience just a brief overview of what I plan to do. Some of it we've already done. In fact... Uh, on the issue of the age of the earth, one thing we want to talk about is why do people hold to an old earth of billions of years? 
And the basis for a lot of that is the geological column. That's one area. But if your audience remembers when we dealt with the Genesis flood, we basically eliminated all of that evidence that they use, the, the billions of years that that they uh, derive from their interpretation of the layers, the geological layers. And last time we touched on radiometric dating. I'd like to come back to it because we focused on a subset of radiometric dating, which we uh, described as uh, radiocarbon dating based on uh, carbon-14. But there are other methods that are used, and there's some other things that we can discuss that need to be said in order to help people understand that there's some problems with all of those dating methods. Some people have probably heard of potassium argon dating or rubidium strontium. So we'll probably have another session on it. That's the first for me. I haven't heard, I haven't heard that. So oh, you hadn't. Yeah, oh, wow. Be interested Great. to hear that. And also the, uh, there are various time clocks. In fact, Russ has done a lot of work there. In fact, I'll share some of the things I've learned from him that give an indication that the earth is relatively young. And then today, one of the biggest issues and one of the areas that creationists have struggled with, and one of the reasons that people have not uh, believed in a young earth is the area of starlight and time. So Russ is going to start us off by discussing some of his research and giving the reasons why, as some would say, how can you account for light arriving at the earth, light that comes many light years away, in fact, millions and billions of light years away. How do you account for all that time? That is a great question. And that's and I, one of the problems. I've heard, I've heard some of this before, but I'm looking uh, forward to walking through the articulation of, of explaining it again. So, Russ, why don't you uh, pick that up? And you've done a lot of research. And why don't you fill us in on how to answer that question, how to answer that issue? About starlight? Starlight and time. Well, so, some, uh, a lot of people there uh, probably have heard of my book that I wrote back a long time ago when I was in Albuquerque. Uh, called Starlight and Time, and uh, there I explored uh, Einstein's theory of general relativity and uh, uh, pointed, picked up a few things out of it, uh, uh, particularly uh, an effect called gravitational time dilation, and I uh, pointed to how that could be uh, making, uh, giving us different uh, rates of time different speeds of clocks, let's say, uh, at the Earth and out in the universe. Uh, That was my first cosmology. Uh, I had a second one, which uh, not many people know about, but it's in the Journal of Creation in the early 2000s. And now I'm on a third one. Uh, And I have elements of my first two uh, in my third one, but my third one is a whole lot more biblical than the other two. Uh, in the other two, I and uh, I uh, got a, a physics idea and worked to see whether or not it would fit into scripture. But here, uh, in this one, I'm uh, looking much more closely at what God said He did uh, in Genesis chapter one, 
to to get the light here in a hurry, and uh, why it would uh, tend to make a universe that looks old, even though it's really young. So uh, where should I go from here? <laughs> well, you might just describe it, but uh, before you get into it, I, I want to remind the audience, I, I constantly mention... <laughs> creation scientists like yourself and John Baumgartner, and you mentioned it, uh, you all start from Scripture, and then you expand out and do your scientific research. And obviously... Yeah. Another thing, another thing uh, to say about uh, most of us creationists and me uh, is that we uh, started off believing in billions of years and evolution. Most of us did. Uh, I was raised in a non-Christian family and learned billions of years in evolution from a very young age, and it continued right through college. Then I got saved, um, and about a year after that, I became a creationist because of uh, this, the evidence from science. So uh, it was agreeing with what the Scripture was saying. So uh, just that. You know, a lot of people have the wrong impression that uh, creationists were just uh, raised in uh, in a very Christian family and never never got to look outside of it and and we don't know anything and <laughs> so we started from the exact opposite point of view. Uh, oh, go ahead. Well, uh, let me let me dive into my third cosmology. It's it's in the Journal of Creation. If anyone cares to go to creation dot com and look up the Journal of Creation archives. They'll find this in uh, last December's Journal of Creation. It's called A More Biblical Cosmology. And all I do in that is mainly point out uh, some aspects of Genesis 1 that nobody seems to have thought about very much uh, uh, that point to the speed of light in the heavens during the fourth, fourth day of creation and also the first three. Uh, the speed of light in the heavens looks like it was trillions of times faster than normal. Uh, there are three um, areas in Genesis chapter 1 that point to that. And, uh, and uh, the logical consequences of, of the, a greater speed of light in the heavens uh, would be to make the heavens look old uh, when they're actually not. They would, all, it would only be uh, dating from the fourth day of creation and... Uh, but they would appear to be billions of years old. Uh, so I hope you're with me by this. Yeah, I think but that's... Shall uh, I dive into the Scripture? I well, don't know absolutely. how much time we have in this, left in this segment. Well, I, I tell you uh, what, that's actually a good place uh, to break before we dive into Scripture, and we want to encourage our listeners to stay with us, uh, to do that oh, with us. Oh. Um, but by the uh, way, go ahead. Ask, your, ask your listeners to uh, open up the Bible and turn to Genesis chapter one. There we uh, go. It will be a lot less confusing. There we go. We're, we're going to uh, jump into Genesis chapter one. When we come back from the break, we're in a midst, in the midst of a conversation uh, with uh, Ray Mondragon, our, our monthly guest on ABQ connect with the creation science fellowship in New Mexico and his guest, Dr. Russ Humphreys will continue our conversation looking at the age of the universe after the break on ABQ connect. All right, thanks for joining us every uh, weekday afternoon at 1 o'clock on ABQ Connect. You know, often uh, during the show, uh, uh, as we come back from the breaks, we like to let you know about various activities around the community, uh, much of which are very spiritual. There's uh, 
conferences and studies and guest speakers. And if you have a free event you want to let people know about, send the details to studio at klyt.fm. And sometimes we just... (laughs) We let you know about great family-friendly opportunities that aren't necessarily spiritual in nature, one of them being cars and coffee. Uh, It's happening uh, in a couple places in Albuquerque, in the Northeast Heights, uh, just off Jefferson in Albuquerque, uh, north, uh, let me see, it's it's, uh, Marketplace Plaza, which is between Masthead and Sun, so it's it's north of Ellison on Jefferson, not hard to find. Uh, And then over on the west side, McMahon and Unser, in the McMahon marketplace there. Uh, they are meeting this weekend in the Northeast Heights. They'll meet at uh, beginning at, it, it starts as, uh, I say meet. Uh, it's a bunch of cars and an opportunity for you to walk around with coffee and family and friends and just enjoy some cool cars. 745 in the Northeast Heights and they get underway. West Side sleeps in a little bit. They get started at nine o'clock, but uh, you can find details actually about cars and coffee if you're traveling during the Christmas season. Uh, this is a nationwide uh, get together, and uh, you can find um, uh, you know where to where to visit when you're out of town at carsandcoffeeevents.com, or share that with a friend elsewhere. They may enjoy getting out over the weekend and uh, doing something besides watching their their favorite Christmas special. Uh, but hey, uh, if you just tuned in, we're in the middle of a conversation uh, with our monthly guest Ray Mondragon. Uh, with the Creation Science Fellowship of New Mexico. And actually, I revisited, uh, you were talking about the website. Website's been uh, kind of updated, and you can go to csfnm.wordpress.com. However, if you have it, the bookmark at csfnm.org, it does forward to that. So uh, you'll, you'll find uh, the information there about upcoming um, uh, speakers and uh, a reminder, they meet at Faith Bible Church at uh, Moon and Central the third Tuesday of each month, save December. Uh, so they'll get it back underway in January. And again, the details about uh, the group at csfnm.org. And uh, Ray, your, your guest, uh, uh, Dr. Russ Humphreys, uh, a big part of getting that uh, underway here in New Mexico. Well, he was one of the founding scientists from Sandia, along with John Baumgartner and some others. And we've been going ever since, since when was it about mid eighties somewhere in there Russ? yes <clears throat> and it what... was after the after the first uh Ken Ham visit to Albuquerque uh, we took up a uh, <clears throat> a a list of addresses people who wanted to meet together and have a have a fellowship about creation uh so we started the creation science fellowship from that address list so uh it's been rolling ever since. So Yeah, and Albuquerque actually is one of the most important ones throughout the country. There's been others started elsewhere, but ours, probably because it started so early, has... Uh, well, and, and its proximity to a, a large facility with a, a lot of... Sandia uh, Labs <laughs> a and lot of Los scientists, Alamos. yeah. Uh, now, when we, uh, when we before we went into the break, uh, Dr. Humphreys encourage our listeners to get their Bible, open it up to Genesis chapter one. And where are we headed, Dr. Humphreys? We're headed all through Genesis chapter one. (laughs) So go to verse two. Uh, I'm going to read from the New American Standard, but uh, you may have another version. It's okay. Uh, The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, 
and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Uh, what is this deep? Well, you get the idea it's waters because uh, of the verse. Uh, and uh, <clears throat> a Hebrew lexicon that I like a lot, that's a dictionary in Hebrew, uh, says that this word for deep just means, in, in its most general sense, a large body of water. So, uh, so we have the deep, a large body of water, and if it's sitting out there in space uh, with nothing else uh, except uh, what will become the earth uh, underneath in it, uh, that large body of water, its own gravity will pull it into a spherical shape. So it's a big ball of water. And just how big it was may be a surprise to some of the listeners. You probably haven't thought about some of the things I'm going to tell you about. Now, that Hebrew word there in the rest of Scripture generally refers to oceans, the deeps, deep oceans. Well, an ocean is a large body of water. Right. But it also refers to subterranean bodies of water, uh, things like aquifers. And uh, and I'm going to propose that this deep was much larger than our oceans. Uh, but let's get to the reasoning for why that is. Verse 6, Then God said, Let there be an expanse, or uh, in King James, a firmament. And where, does, where is this going to be? It's in the midst of the waters. Uh, and let it separate the waters from the waters. So down there in the center, near the center of this big bowl of water, uh, we have a thing called the expanse or the firmament, and uh, and it's down near the center. Uh, that's in the midst usually means that. Uh, uh, in the rest of Genesis, it talks about uh, certain trees being in the midst of the garden. And uh, uh, so... That word in the midst means in the center, near the center. So uh, then God made the expanse and separated the waters, which were below the expanse or below the firmament, from the waters which were above the firmament. And God called, and it was so, and God called the expanse or the firmament heavens. And there was evening and morning a second day. Now, uh, so we've got this thing. It's probably fairly thin. Uh, Think about the size of this thing. Uh, The waters that were below the firmament on the third day of creation, uh, if you look down, uh, let's see. uh, uh, Where is this? Okay. Oh, yes. Uh, Yeah, it's not far from where we were. Uh, uh, In verse 9, he said, let the waters below the heavens, or below the firmament, uh, be gathered into one place, let the dry land appear. So uh, below the firmament, you have the earth appearing. Uh, so the, the bottom edge of the firmament is the size of our earth. And uh, we don't know how thick it was, but it was probably not too thick, uh, since it's supposed to divide... Uh, and still be down near the center. So let's say it might be, uh, uh, oh, say a uh, hundred thousand kilometers or so. Uh, 
we've got to have most of the water being above the firmament. Uh, so, so we need it uh, at least that large a ball. And this is where a lot of you and where I used to uh, uh, get mixed up. I was trying to think of, um, of the firmament as being something that divided was a very thin divider, uh, divider of waters that were only a few miles deep, and those waters would be sitting on the solid Earth. But uh, uh, this was before the Earth was formed, uh, so it was formless and void. And so, anyhow, uh, it's a question of size. Uh, we either have the Earth with a you know a few mile, few miles depth of water on its surface, or else we have something that's much bigger than the Earth, uh, the deep, and the face of the deep would be, let's say, at least ten times the the diameter of the Earth. Uh, I hope you're with me on this. Uh, so uh, then uh, another, uh, a little later, I'm going to suggest that the, the face of the deep, the surface of the deep, was uh, much larger than that even, and maybe one or two light years away from the center. And the reason for that is to have all the waters be enough mass to make up all the mass of the stars. But that's a little later. So, but anyhow, the deep is big, and there's this thing down in the center called the rakia, or the in Hebrew, uh, the expanse, or the firmament. And the Hebrew word means something that's spread out or expanded. So uh, we're going to find that it looks like the rakia, the firmament, or the expanse, got much bigger. So, uh, let's see where that is. That was stretched, right. right? Pardon? The expanse, or the rakia, was stretched. Yes, yes. Okay, but and, and let, we're, let, we're, let's see, let's see where, where we get that from, uh, where I'm getting that from. Uh, down on the fourth day of creation, starting with verse 14, uh, God says, let there be a lights in the expanse or the firmament of the heavens to separate day from night. Let them be for signs, seasons, and years. Let them for, be for lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth. And it was so. And God made the two great lights, the greater light, that's the sun, to govern the day, the lesser light to govern the night, and uh, that's the moon. And he made the stars also. And God placed them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth. So at this point in verse 17, the, um, the expanse has to be much larger in order to accommodate all the stars of the universe. So the expanse has moved out uh, billions of light years from the earth, uh, pushing the waters above the expanse out with it. <coughs> Uh, and uh, I think leaving little balls of water along that God will later turn into stars. Okay, so consider that. Oh, go ahead. Are you with me? Go ahead. Well, uh, we're we're up against the break, uh, but uh, I'll let you kind of put a bow on. You know, find a good place to s stop so we can do that. I don't want to cut you off in the middle of a thought. Well, the main thing to consider right now is the speed with which this happened. 
so the expanse got very big within a matter of a few days, ordinary length days uh, on Earth. Um, the, the expanse got billions of light years, moved out billions of light years. That's a big distance uh, in a matter of a few days. So the expanse would have to move outward at trillions of times the normal speed of light. Okay, yeah. So, you can think about that. All right. Uh, if you just tuned in, we're in the midst of a conversation with Raymond Dragon and his guest, Dr. Russ Humphreys, and considering the age of the universe and uh, essentially looking, you know, explaining what we did uh, a couple segments ago, uh, trying to answer the question um, uh, as to, um, well, if the, the light we're seeing is um, billions of light years away, you know, how could. Uh, the earth be as young as thousands of years and not millions or billions of years. Uh, so, uh, and if you, if you didn't hear all of that, we're going to post it, uh, at abqconnect.online and Ray, you'll have it on your website as right. well right. for his glory, nm.org. Dot com. Dot com. Um, and we're going to take a quick break. And when we, when we come back, uh, finish our conversation with Ray Mondragon of the creation science fellowship of New Mexico and uh, Russ Humphreys, uh, the website for Creation Science Fellowship of New Mexico, csfnm.org. Uh, and we'll be back with more after this on ABQ Connect. All right. Thanks for joining us on ABQ Connect. We're in the middle of a conversation with Ray Mondragon from the uh, Creation Science Fellowship of New Mexico. Uh, and their website, csfnm.org. Uh, Russ, Dr. Russ Humphreys uh, joining us on the phone. And we spent a good portion of uh, the time today talking about the age of the universe, specifically how light got here from distant galaxies and why the universe looks old yet is really young. And Dr. Humphreys kind of walked us through that. Now we had high is in the same way, you know, we're trying to figure out, uh, the whole, uh, okay. If they're billions of light years away and we're saying that the earth is only thousands of years old, how did we, and we, you know, Dr. Uh, Humphreys walked us through that. Um, <laughs> we somehow thought we'd get through a lot more, uh, topics than, than we actually, no, I, well, I didn't think we'd get off of this topic. Yeah, I yeah. knew that we would be on it the and, whole program. And, and I am, so. I to I'm actually totally for that. I'd love that we've gone into detail. Um, some of the things though, you know, that, that were potentially conversations, maybe for another program, uh, how helium leaking from radioactive minerals points to a young earth, how microscopic fossil halos, from radioactivity point to a young earth, uh, how scars from uh, uh, uranium fission point uh, to a, a speed up of nuclear decay during the Genesis flood and how finding carbon 14 in ancient fossils points to a young earth. Um, aside from having you back on to talk about those uh, <laughs> individually, uh, where would you encourage our listeners to go uh, to find answers to some of, uh, some of those issues? Well, my favorite website is creation.com. Uh, I like the other websites, too. Uh, Institute for Creation Research, uh, their website, and uh, Answers in Genesis. But uh, creation.com has the most uh, accurate, uh, maybe most complete uh, explanations, and yet they're done very well, uh, very readable, and uh, well il illustrated. And uh, they have uh, more than 10,000 uh, little articles stuffed away in there under various uh, headings. So if you go to creation.com 
and go to their Q&A tab, you'll find all the, uh, all the topics listed, and, uh, and that's a major resource. All now, right. The, now, these so, topics also, uh, these are that we were planning on touching on, maybe. They, so uh, we haven't finished. We haven't finished uh, yeah, the Starlight one. No, no, we, no. Gotta, I, we, I'm going to get back to that. But I, what I was saying is that uh, these are the results of that rate project, and there's a very readable book, thousands, not billions. The author, yes. Bartman, is it? No, the author is Don DeYoung. He was a oh. physicist on the project, okay. and Larry Vardaman, the leader of the project, appointed him to translate all our science right. into readable stuff. But that's available as well. Don is a good well. science writer, and he did that. Yeah. Okay. So, so it's rate. Uh, it's radio. Um, let's see, thousands, dot dot dot, not billions. And if nowhere else, you can find that on uh, several websites like. Uh, creationresearch.org or the creation.org, uh, creation.com website and others. So Okay, well, I'm going to throw so it back to, we, yeah, we got about five minutes, so I'll throw it to you, and uh, we're, we're sharpening our pencils. Okay, uh, so uh, where we left you was in uh, Genesis chapter 1, verse 14, uh, uh, through, actually through 19, the fourth day of creation and uh, pointing out that God had to spread out the expanse, the firmament, uh, spread it out from rather small, just not much bigger than the earth, um, to billions of light years in radius. Uh, and so, and then he, you know, put the stars in that firmament. Uh, so that's how the firmament could contain the stars. It got very big. So now, uh, so that means if the firmament got out there at trillions of times the speed of light, which it had to to do it in just a few days of ordinary length here on Earth, uh, then the speed of light had to be much faster out there than it was on Earth. You with me so far? Yes. Okay. You can't. You can't uh, unless God completely derails all His uh, physics of the universe. Uh, you would have to have uh, the speed of light being much higher, or otherwise the, uh, the expanse couldn't have moved out that fast. So if the speed of light is higher, uh, then uh, we have a, a real simple explanation of one verse here. Uh, let's see. Uh, uh, I'm looking here. Oh, uh, it's verse 13. He's talking about making the lights in the heavens, including the stars. Uh, let them be for lights, verse 15, in the expanse or the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth. And it was so. That and it was so means that somehow he got that light from the distant heavens down to earth because that's what he wanted, and he said it was so. <laughs> right. So uh, that means uh, that the speed of light had to be very high for most of that path toward Earth. Uh, so that's the end, it was so. That's the second hint that uh, the speed of light was very high. Now, a consequence of the speed of light being high out there is that all physical processes out there would be speeded up. The speed of light, if it was trillions of times greater than normal, 
then all physical processes out there would have to be speeded up trillions of times faster than normal. And so uh, you get a chance for uh, you to have billions of years worth of events happening within the length of an ordinary day of creation down here. And then the last step of this process is that somehow, and I don't know how, God uh, made the speed of light in the heavens decrease greatly until it was back to normal by the end of the fourth day of creation. Uh, so now the speed of light in the heavens would be the normal speed. And if you uh, follow through the physics of all of this, uh, you see that everything works out nicely. And what you see is the heavens. Uh, you see distant objects in the heavens that were only made uh, about 6,000 years ago on the fourth day of creation on Earth. Uh, but uh, they show things that ha have obviously taken millions or billions of years to take place. And I think God did that. He wanted us to get a good sample of the physics of, of the heavens. And he uh, uh, normally such big objects like that take a very long time to unfold. So I think he wanted to see a well-developed heavens and uh, that would be a clue to the uh, to the laws uh, of the universe that he has, and it would further glorify God. So uh, the bottom line is that uh, just from these hints in uh, Genesis chapter 1, we get the heavens that we see uh, today. Well, and I would, I would encourage our listeners who just joined us towards the end, <laughs> uh, you can't, you know, it's kind of like, well, I think back to, to calculus, you can't, you can't miss any of the class. You gotta, you, you gotta, you gotta be, a, uh, attentive, uh, and in attendance, uh, to, uh, capture all of it. And we would encourage you if you missed a part of our conversation well, today to if, go back and listen to they, it again. Uh, can I recommend a, uh, uh, a journal Please uh, do. where this is written down yes. and where it's, it's available yeah. on the internet. Okay. Um, uh, uh, first, go to creation.com, then click their magazine, magazine's plural tab, and the first magazine you'll see on the page is a popular journal just called Creation. But scroll down to the Journal of Creation, um, and in that section, you'll find a button on the lower right labeled Journal Archives. Uh, go to those archives and look for the December 2022 issues. Uh, and they can probably search it find your name, your, I would assume, too. Yeah. Well, hey, yes. um, and we you, encourage... You, you could probably look for my name. Yeah. And uh, and we encourage our listeners to go there. We're out of time. And uh, I can't tell you how much, uh, uh, Dr. Humphreys, I appreciate your time. Uh, can Ray invite you back? Yes, he can. Okay. Uh, Ray, thanks but for... But you have to give us more time. Yeah, right? <laughs> Uh, well, we appreciate your time. And, Ray, again, uh, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you, Dr. Humphreys. And we'll do this again Merry next Christmas month on, uh, on ABQ Connect.